Hello. Rain and rule, yeah, I think that's um, something that we, we get to. I was thinking, um, as I was uh, thinking about talking to you and displaying what God wanted to say to you, I was thinking about relationship. Um, and while I'm talking, I wonder if you'd like to turn to John chapter 11. In fact, we start just before John chapter 11. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So you find the white page in the centre of the Bible, and then you work through from that Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then it's chapter 11. In fact, we do start at verse, number, verse 1. Chapter 11 rather than the bits before. Now, I was thinking about relationship and about my marriage to Sam and thinking when I married Sam in fact when I started going out with her I knew very little about her but I knew that I loved her and um, I remember talking to somebody that had been married for about 157 years and saying it must be great you know to have uh, had this long a marriage and to, to, to know each other so well and the man turned to me and he said there's still things to discover I'm still getting to know her and I thought, well, that's true with Sam. We, we, we celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary this year, <laughs> and, uh, which is a third of a lifetime, a quarter of a century. <laughs> and I say, I know Sam a lot better than I used to, and she, me. But there's still more to learn, and I'm constantly surprised with things she does. I'm constantly um, encouraged with things she does constantly uplifted by things she does and uh, um, I have to say that it's a voyage that I enjoy um, in part because there's always discovery the same is true with our Lord Jesus and uh, in reading this passage there is stuff to discover there is stuff about him to discover there is knowledge head knowledge to learn it's also emotion to feel um, communication to get involved in with him. There's personality to unravel. We can get to know him a little more. And that goes on and on and on. If I find that with Sam, I'm still discovering things to get to know, things to be enraptured about. And I am still enraptured with Sam. This is just to make her blush. <laughs> Come louder, Neil. Thank you. <laughs> um, then how much more with my Lord will there be things that constantly I discover that he reveals to me? We're slow to learn, aren't we? I was very um, excited to hear Wendy pray out and uh, to, to, to pray and with increasing uh, fervor about knowing Jesus and getting to know him and about, about the fact we want to hear his name glorified. In fact, we want to hear his name, don't we? You know, he used to say, um, when I was going out with Sam, some of my closest friends would smile because I would drop her name into conversation. Sam this, oh, and she'd come and invite Sam. And I went out with Sam, and I did this with Sam, 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 and they would smile about it. But, of course, that's common to people who are in love. And it's the same with Jesus. It's not, it's not a, a, the same as marriage. Marriage is just a feeble illustration of what we have with the Son of God, who is God, who made us, who created us to be permanently in relationship with him. There's a buzz of our hearts that we explore with that. Let's read um, John 11. 
Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This is verse 1, by the way. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, just in case you hadn't got that, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped his feet with her hair, which actually happens later in the Bible, in in John's Gospel, but he mentions it here. So the sisters sent word to um, Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Think about that phrase, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days where he was. Hang about. Is that what you would do? This makes no sense if you read it out of context, does it? Jesus heard he was sick, so he stayed two more days where he was, rather than going to see what he could do. Then we'll we'll jump down a bit to verse 11. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciple replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Because the Jewish understanding of sleep was that it was a temporary thing. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. I like the way John explains it as though to idiots, of which I am one. (laughs) So we get the fact that Lazarus is dead and Jesus knows this. And just in case we've missed that, Jesus then says, Lazarus is dead. That strikes us as even more strange when we consider his action of staying two more days where he was because we then realise that he knew if he stayed two more days where he was that Lazarus was going to die. And for your sake, I'm, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. And Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let's also go that we may die with him. Now Thomas said that because it was dangerous for Jesus at that time. Now Thomas's comment needs to be taken um, and understood. Jesus' life was in peril. Anybody who associated with him, we understand from that phrase, was also in peril. If they put themselves in a place where the Jews could find them, the Jews being the religious leaders of the time. So on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. There's an understanding, admittedly it's a second century understanding, but a probability that this extended from that time, that um, in Jewish understanding um, of that time, that the spirit hovered about the body for three days. But on the fourth day, when it saw that the complexion of the face had changed, i.e. that decay had set in, it left. If, I mean, we have to treat this cautiously, but it seems, whatever we might say, that Jesus made sure that there was absolutely no human hope. This body was dead, 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 corpse, carrion, decaying, and more. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Um, Martha and Mary to comfort them for the lust of their brother now the Jews 
uh, speak danger to the disciples and Jesus. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord Martha said, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. What a statement of faith. When I um, was first due to preach this, which was a few weeks ago, we had recently had um, the death of several people who were precious to me. Um, at Christmas, Matt Hall, who some of you know, died, and I, we didn't hear of it for a few for a couple of weeks. And um, yesterday, there was a memorial put up to him. Actually, just incidentally, a, a cricket score box was put up, and it was named after Matthew Hall. But it was one of those things you think he's dead, he's gone, he's no longer here. I can't go and speak to him. He is gone. And um, Mike Kimball, you know, we, we were just getting to, to know and love, and suddenly he's gone. He's not here anymore. We can't reach out and touch him. And uh, Margaret Shell, who we had seen little lately, but was precious to us. And she's gone. And her relatives are still here with us. There's a finality about death. There's a, a definiteness about death that we find nowhere else in life. There's an inescapability about death. There's a, an alter, ultimateness about death. There's, an, there's something, we are faced with it. It's, the, it's at the end of every pathway of this life on earth. There's death. And even the very sound of death has a finality and a, um, a, an irrevocability about it, doesn't it? Death. There's fear involved in the natural form about death, isn't there? You question most of your friends, and uh, most of us would probably, in this, in this era, in this Western society, would avoid thinking about death. But if questioned, most people who don't have a faith would say they fear death. And that's rational, that's sensible. Whatever you believe, there are decisions to be made, there are um, resolutions within the soul to be worked out. After she t uh, Martha said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village but was still at the place where Martha met him when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out they followed her supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there um, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him she fell at his feet and said Lord if you'd been here my brother would not have died a repetition when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled where have you laid him, he said. Come and see, Lord, they replied. 
Jesus wept. I believe that's supposed to be the shortest sentence in the Bible. Now, it wasn't obviously just dropping a few tears because the Jews who had no... Um, I mean, some of them may have known him. Some of them may have been his friends. Let's not get this wrong. But uh, some of them had no love for him. Some of them were just ambivalent about him. Some of them were anxious to see this troublemaker put down as they saw him. They noticed this. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. This to me is a demonstration that Jesus um, not only knew Lazarus, he not only um, saw that he was going, going to, to raise him from the dead, but he also he, he identified with him. And in the same way, Jesus identifies with us. There's a demonstration of Jesus' humanity that John, John is anxious to point out there. That's the writer of this, this message. is anxious to point out to us. He takes great pains to point out the humanity of Jesus. He shows how Jesus identifies not only with um, Martha and Mary in their grief, he also identifies with Lazarus. That takes a bit of thought to think that through. He identifies with you in all that you walk through. He identifies with your hardships, with your struggles, it says that Jesus, in, in Hebrews, it says Jesus was tempted in every way like a man, and yet, well, and yet he didn't sin. Temptations aren't just about sin, you know. Temptations are um, anything that tries to draw us to rely on something else other than God. And Jesus demonstrated uh, how temptation affected him when he had fasted seven, uh, 40 days in the wilderness. And uh, as one commentator makes the point, this would have brought him to the point of death. If he went any further, he was likely to, um, his body was likely to go beyond the point of no return. 40 days without food is generally the longest a human body will go with that, with, um, and recover. So Jesus, it says in the Bible, he was hungry. He had no reserves physically at that point and Satan came and tempted him and said and offered him something else to rely on other than the sovereign father the sovereign Lord God and Jesus resisted the temptation he was tempted tempted at, at points of weakness so when we're tempted when we're tempted to say oh, I'll blow it all I'll just jack it all in we can know that Jesus identifies with us at that point. When we face death, either of a loved one or, or of ourselves, through sickness, um, whether it be slow or immediate, whether it be slow through sickness or immediate through some disaster that comes upon us, we know that Jesus can identify with that. Some of them said, could he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from... Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man not have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Hmm, that reminds us of something, doesn't it? Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Master, the sister of the dead man, by this time... There's a bad odour of it. It says in the authorised verse, he stinketh. For he's been there four days. This is a hot country. Um, have you ever watched CSI or anything like that? Um, NCSI. And 
it's a, a, a program whereby the, 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 um, this, these detectives are trying to uncover what happened at a crime scene by examining evidence. And some of the evidence is rotten. Some of the evidence is human bodies that's rotten, and you can almost smell it. You know, I quite like the this, this series. We watch it on DVD. And uh, they open these, uh, you know, the, the, wherever these bodies are, and you can almost smell it. And it's revolting. In fact, when they do the, the, um, the scene with um, examining the bodies, I have to turn away. It's quite gruesome. This was gruesome. This man, Jesus, was asking them to open up worse than a rancid tin of sardines. A sealed tomb with a body in it. Now, although they loved him, although they'd seen him do miracles, this was going beyond the pale. Lord, but this time there's a bad odour. He's been there four days. This is, this is irrevocable. Not one or two days. Not three days, but four days. Four days, it's beyond it. You've come too late, Jesus. And in Jesus' mind, it's, I know, I've come too late for a human being. I've come too late. And yet, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Did God not tell each one of you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God in your lives. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus said in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. <laughs> it just struck me as I was preparing this. You think of him just walking out, you know, zombie-like. But actually, if he's bound up, he had to hop out, stumble out. Does it strike you that Lazarus was obedient to the Lord even in death? I just wish I was obedient to him always in life, don't you? And yet Lazarus was obedient to him even in death. I find that very um, uh, exciting. I find it comforting that God can take me as I am. He can take me dead in my sin. And he can speak life into me. And he can say, follow me. And I can think to myself in my mind, I can't do that. Like people on Alpha say, the most common um, reason for not becoming a Christian is this. I'll never be able to do it. In fact, it's so common, it comes into all of our minds, I believe. I will never make the grade. And Jesus says, you're right. I will give you life. I will give you ability. Oh, we all so need that ability, don't we? My mother-in-law used to have this phrase, I believe God helps those who help themselves. A dead man can't help himself, can he? I couldn't help myself. Do you know the, the only times I have conquered sin is when I re realized I couldn't do it and I cried out for God's help through the Holy Spirit. The only time I have walked through trials... You know, when it, when it seems to crush you is when I've realized that I couldn't do it and I've called out to him for help and said, Lord, I will, but I can't. Please help me. When I got married, we had the, the phrase was, will you? Not do you, but will you? Will you um, 
uh, be with Sam all your time. Will you honour her and uh, uh, honour her? Will you um, take care of her? Will you be committed to her only? Will you? And I'm standing there in my penguin suit, which didn't fit. Why is it that the best man always gets the best penguin suit? Why is it that he gets the top hat that fits and mine's got scuff marks around the top? Anyway, that's not important. I'm standing there in my penguin suit. Yeah, you've got a picture in your mind, haven't you? <laughs> and uh, they said, will you? And I thought, oh, cold. I went, oh, cold for half a second. I think, I don't know. I'm so weak. I don't know if I will. And then I thought, no, it doesn't mean that. What is your will? What is your will at this moment? I thought, oh, I know the answer to that. My will is that I will be um, committed to Sam forevermore. Whether I can is really up to him because I trust him. And so I said, I will. So far I have. (laughs) I bet she did, yeah. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. I think we'll end there. There is more. There is more there. The other thing that Jesus demonstrated, apart from his humanity, was his sovereignty, was his his divinity. Jesus was both um, pointing to... Uh, his humanity in that uh, he identified, as we've just discussed he, was po- discussed, he was pointing to his divinity that only he could raise from the dead through the power of his father at that time. Jesus was totally human at that time, but he was proving also that, there was pos- that it was possible to live a, a sinless life in that he did that. Part of the understanding that John brings out is that none of us ever have lived a sinless life. He was also pointing to his own death. So his humanity, his divinity, he was also pointing to his future death. This is the clearest illustration I can think of in in any of the Gospels about Jesus explaining to people what he would do. Now, if you love someone... Just, just turn to the person you love or think of the person, hold them in your mind for a minute. Now, can you imagine them walking to death in the way that Jesus did? I bet you can't. I bet you don't want to. You don't even want a shadow of that thought to enter your mind. And so it was with the disciples. They would not have conceived that Jesus would go through such a painful death because God could do it some other way, surely. And yet, the sins we have committed demand sacrifice. And God was pleased to send his son to be our sacrifice. Oh, see how he loved them. See how he loved you. Jesus was pointing out at that point that although things seem irrevocable to man, that he is the Lord. who walks with his Father, who is one with the Father and can redeem us from beyond hopelessness. When we face death, and when we have had loved ones that have died, we know 
by this illustration that they have stepped into a glorious place if they know and love the Lord. If they have given their lives to him and surrendered to him and accepted his sacrifice, accepted his gift for them. We know without a shadow of doubt because of this story and others that Mike is enjoying the favour face to face of his Lord. That Mike is no longer stumbling for words. Mike and Matt had this in common that they got so ill that they could hardly speak and communication was a problem. It became embarrassing for us, did it not, to speak to them. Sally um, told me off, really, in a very mild way. She, I said to, I, I, when I was um, going to visit Matt, I said, I find it so embarrassing. I always ask leading questions that he can't answer. And he struggled to, to, to explain himself. And he would say something, and I'd say, sorry. And, of course, then he felt bad because he couldn't speak. And I felt bad. And so the guilt feelings, which we're not meant to have um, ruling in our lives, would, would grow and grow and grow. And yet now, Matt can speak freely. And, in fact, more than that, have you ever... Um, try to explain to someone what you mean. And you know, with the best of your words, as eloquent as you might be, you only get across part of what you mean? Hands up. Who identifies with that? Hands up. Who doesn't identify with that? Exactly. No hands went up for those on tape. All hands went up first. When we meet with Jesus... There will, one, almost be no need to communicate because we will know, but there will be a freedom of communication whereby we can express the feelings of our heart and we can also understand the feelings of his, I believe. Mike, Matt, Margaret and another close friend who you don't know are experiencing that now. This is fantastic. Um, a, a friend of mine, Roger Schofield, I mentioned his name because he's now on tape. He's now immortalized. Um, said to me, he said, as you get older, um, you become more aware of the spiritual and less, less concerned by the physical. And uh, I wouldn't say that I know very much about that yet because I'm very, very, very young. But um, it's true. In as much as I experienced it, you become more aware of your mortality. Therefore, um, rationally, you have to think about what's going to happen in the future. But also experience as Wendy said um, I've known Lawrence and Wendy for in excess of 30 years and throughout that time I've watched them and I've seen that that God has been honorable to them that Jesus has not only been a friend to them when they first when I first knew them I didn't know them when they first became Christians I don't think I was born then Um, (laughs) but uh, I have watched their friendship with Jesus grow and that gives me confidence it's experience And my own personal experience makes me realize that this life is not all there is. In Western society, we are taught everything that bombards us, everything from television, everything from friends, everything in the street that we see, um, even those houses over the road, speak of a temporal solidity. But by that I mean that we we, we are prompted to put our faith in something that can be seen, that can be felt here, but it's only temporary. We don't think of it as temporary, but we know that it is. Those houses will probably only last for about 60 years, but we think they'll last for 60 years. They'll see me out. We think that's permanence. 
as human beings in the Western world. We think money is permanent. Even though we are faced daily with news that that is not the case, we think pensions are infinitely reliable, even though proof is that they are not. In this um, in the 20th and 21st century, we have learned to put our trust in insurance. Insurance is a good thing, mismanaged by fallen men, but it's not to be our final security. And as we get older, we become aware of that. And we find that God has something better for us. I woke up in a sweat one night some, ter- some 15 years ago, and uh, suddenly bolt upright, sweating, and in panic. I thought, and the thought came into my mind, what have I done in giving my life to Jesus? What have I done in direct, allowing him to direct my path? There's no other way now. Um, I remember um, Wendy saying to me once, she said, you've made life choices. It was just in the monk's conversation. I thought, yes, I have. I've made life choices. Those life choices have led me down a path from which there is no return, even if I want to. And sometimes, to be honest, I do. I've had choices, as you all do. I have a choice as to whether to get an affluent uh, job and put my energy into that. This was a choice I made, or to go self-employed. At the time I went self-employed, we were entering the 1980s recession. For the first, I think, ten years of my life, Sam earned very little, but she out-earned me. I wonder what I'd done. I woke up in a cold sweat and I found myself saying, what on earth have I done? I wasn't praying. I was just saying, what on earth have I done? What have I put my security in? And immediately from behind me, it seemed like this voice was saying, you are a fool, John. All you've done is put your faith in the Lord of all heaven and all earth. Pregnant pause. What beauty... What glory would I not have known if I had chosen another path? What, what love would I not have experienced from him if I'd chosen another path? What future would I have sacrificed if I had chosen to live from my present desires? And sometimes I do, let's face it. In all these things I'm saying, I'm a failure with small successes. And yet, if I leave you with one thing, it's that he is the Lord of life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Our lives are not focused here on this earth. They're not focused in houses. They're not focused in wealth. They're not focused in clothing. Look at these shoes. I bought them cheap off eBay. They're actually quite expensive. I've never owned a pair of expensive shoes before. At least I think they are. I might have been conned. They're not based on what we wear. Someone mentioned a story, actually, that I related. It was a friend of mine. He's a client. He's been a client for 10 years since we moved here. I perhaps do a job every two years for him. We've got to respect and a little bit of love for one another. He's not a Christian. He phoned up last night, and he mentioned in the course of his phone conversation, he says, I often laugh, he says, at that story of Langham's Brasserie. When we got invited to Langham's Brasserie, which is very upmarket, very super-duper, owned by Michael Caine, and uh, Sam and I got invited, and uh, we didn't know where we were going. We, they said, dress smart. And I thought, okay, let's spoof it up a bit. I wish I hadn't. I put on a DJ, an out-of-date DJ, I think it was, wasn't it? Or did I wear a suit? I can't remember. I was in the shower. We got the time wrong. I thought they were coming an hour later than they were. 
and I thought we were going to a local, perhaps upmarket pub anyway. I'm in the shower shaving and getting ready when there's a knock on the door. Can you be ready in two minutes? They said, oh, I'll do my best. So I shaved quickly, put the razor down, grabbed a shirt, uh, pulling my trousers up, buttoned my trousers up, grabbed a shirt and the DJ um, top, dinner jacket, ran out the door with Sam, climbed in, bare-chested in those days. I, didn't, I had a bit of a flatter stomach, so it didn't matter so much. Put the shirt on as we're driving off and said to Sam, oh, no, he's got cufflinks, needs cufflinks. Sam grabbed her Creole earrings and did my shirt up with her Creole earrings and we went off. We sat down at this meal and I'm, I'm a fish out of water. I don't do expensive restaurants. I have no idea how to act. Which fork should I use? You know, all, the, all the waiters come and they turn the plate. And I, and I want to say thank you every time to the waiter. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You know, acting like I'm the subservient one. And, it, and I'm aware that people are looking at me. I'm not actually totally sure where. I'm trying to hide my cufflinks, my earrings in my, in my sleeve, which then proves too short. I then go to the loo, which is that the one that had the, the man... Well, he's, <laughs> it's a bit of a hail and pace moment of those that you remember. There's an attendant in the loo. And I'm thinking, oh, heck, what's he going to do? Anyway, we get through that, and I stand in front of the mirror washing my hands to realise that I've done a Salvatore Dali. I've shaved half my face. <laughs> the other half is completely unshaven. At points like that, you have to know that you are ultimately responsible to a higher authority. It doesn't really matter what human beings think of you, even if they think it does. So I sat out the rest of the meal with that thought. It took some doing, but I sat there and I ate my food and I thought, I don't care what they think. I'm a son of God. Let's leave you with that. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would touch people's hearts. I pray that you would um, enable them to walk with confidence because of what you demonstrated, which I've only touched the surface of. John had seven signs, it seems, Lord, that we understand. Seven signs that he chose that you might believe and that you might continue to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. John had the clear uh, message that you, Lord Jesus, were both Fully, and are fully human, but at the same time, fully God. Lord Jesus, I just want to walk with you. I want to raise my hand and hold yours. I often feel like that, Lord. I feel like a young, a young one holding his older brother's hand. I have an older brother. He's nine years older than me, and sometimes I did walk as a toddler holding his hand. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have gone through the curtain We can still communicate with you through the Spirit. You want to talk to us. And you say, it's all right. In fact, it's very good. Don't fear. My my sheep, my lambs, don't fear. My servants, who I now call brothers and sisters. For I'm with you. Even to the end of the age, whenever that is. And then we know, Lord, we will see you face to face. Thank you. Amen. This will stand. Isn't it good to know that whatever we do, God knows us and he loves us. And we can rely on him. That, That evening sticks in my memory for a long time. I'm glad I had my earrings.
for a start. But it was, it's actually, you know, you go places or you, you're somewhere and you think, I just cannot do this. I can't cope with this. I don't know what to do. And I've been there several times. But I can then think, okay, I don't know how to deal with this. But thank goodness God does. And he can be here with me. He can help me. And he's the one that I can rely on. So I can do things that I feel really, really uncomfortable with. I can step into situations that I wouldn't normally want to do because I know that he's there with me and that I can put my trust in him. Yeah, so it's... It's all stuck somewhere.